0: Well, a recent report has found that consumer spending is continuing to rise despite the cost of living crisis. Experts have coined the phrase split brain spending to explain why so many people feel happy to simultaneously splash out on luxuries while drastically cutting back on essentials. New figures show that personal spending on things like clothes, alcohol, holidays are up 1% in just a month.
1: Well, for more, we're joined by radio host Sammy Lucas and journalist Joe Hildebrand. Morning to you both. Good morning. Joe, a bit of a juggling act here. Should we ever be judged for what we choose to spend our money on?
2: Well, I mean, holidays, clothes and alcohol, frankly... I could take or leave the holidays and clothes. Um, um, (laughs) I I think the interesting thing here is, firstly, we're still looking at the effects of suppressed lockdown spending. And so we've seen um, consistently, even when there was this cost of living crisis and people were really worried about um, their, their future, basically, they were still spending money on going out, still spending money on holidays, still spending money on hospitality, that sort of stuff. Again, the stuff that you couldn't do during lockdown, which is why so many of us although few of us that felt like at the time were saying you can't just shut down an entire economy and then open it up and expect everything to go back to normal it's going to have weird perverse effects that you can't actually predict and i think the other thing i noticed whenever i whenever i lose a job i always go out and spend money thinking that I'm saving money. So me and my beloved wife and three kids spent Father's Day at Big W, just like, you know, the spiritual home <laughs> of Australia, and ended up spending just an eye-watering amount of money on stuff that was all half price because we thought, oh, you know, things are pretty tight at the moment. we better save our money by spending money. And so we got, you know, six jars of Nivea hand cream because right. it was 50% off. Joe, that
1: is a lot of Nivea hand cream.
2: That's a lot of yeah. bargains. You, That's look, a lot of savings. Look, have you seen the I know, have calluses? you seen it? Look, it's, it's, uh, never sunny. done a hard day's work in their life.
0: Sammy, so, I mean, are you guilty of this split brain sp- <laughs> split, split brain, brain, spin- brain <laughs> spending, brain. hard to say. Um, uh, you know, what luxuries can, cannot you give up?
1: well as Joe just mentioned what was it it was travel alcohol and clothes I could go without the clothes so I don't know what that says about me <laughs> but um, I love with this article that they quoted this woman who calls herself a financial therapist mm. did anyone know that was a job like I didn't yeah. even know that existed and and what this expert in financial therapy tells us is that the brain is capable of separating your finances and your spending into boxes that don't make sense mm. so I need financial therapy to make sense of that Statement because I don't actually know what that means. I think what Joe alluded to there is it's all really about the psychology of this post-pandemic life that we're living in. You know, we denied ourselves for so long and and we went through such a stressful time there that now we're still in that psyche of I'm going to treat myself, I'm going to reward myself, I'm going to splurge um, for myself. And I heard someone else refer to it as revenge spending, which I think sounds a lot better. So, you know, when I book that holiday, I'm like, take that COVID. Yes. I'm going yeah. on a holiday. <laughs>
0: I think it's prob- I think it's um, the split Brain part is like you might go around turning off every PowerPoint in the house and every light because power's so expensive. Yeah, and then I need to then walk out the door and go and buy a dress. Yeah, exactly. I, th- I, th- I think it's that kind and of. And I think there's
2: also not to sound like a raving commie or anything, but there's also an element of people who can afford it and who aren't worried about cost of living stuff can go out and spend money on all these luxuries they were previously deprived of, and that drives up inflation. Whereas those of us or those of people who can't afford uh, those things don't. But it doesn't matter; they still cop the inflation as long as someone's sure. out there spending.
0: Well, moving on. New research shows that a high number of bosses are now tracking and judging potential employees based on their social media profiles. According to a recent study, oversharing online is impacting employers' perceptions of applicants, particularly looking at their emotional stability and conscientiousness. Uh, Sammy, uh, should your online presence affect how you're judged in a workplace?
1: Well, I guess the theory is that you should be judged on your performance at work and what you do outside of work is none of your boss's business. But in this era of social media, it gets a bit murky. Like, I just started a new job at Hot FM nine weeks ago and and it, you know, on day one, I'm adding the boss as a friend on Instagram. So he's seen everything that I've done over the last nine weeks. And, and that's where I think we're adding people as friends and they can see everything that you're doing on social media. I think what this story is relating to is people sharing updates about their mental health on LinkedIn Um, and I think it's a very tricky conversation we have to be very careful in a conversation in any way to not discourage people about being open about their mental health and we're living in a society where you know there's a lot of stigma around mental health and we encourage people to speak openly The question in this is, is LinkedIn the place to do that? I mean, you you overshare on Instagram, on Facebook, on TikTok, on Twitter even. But LinkedIn is perceived to be a business profile, a business platform, and it's related to business content. You can share personal stuff on the other platforms. I mean, I look at LinkedIn. For me, I use it as an online resume. Would I share information about my mental health on my resume? I probably wouldn't. Mm. Mm. We have
2: a I do it here video. on morning television.
0: Yeah.
2: <laughs>
1: do you find it cathartic?
2: <laughs> I do. I, my advice about social media, get off it. It's not good for you, it doesn't do anything good, I'm do, don't. I i have. I'm yet to see any benefit from it. If anything, it has had an incredibly profoundly destabilising effect on our political institutions. It's provided an avenue for all these crazy sort of extremist and populist movements on both the left and the right, and I don't see how it has done anything for anybody personally either. On the contrary, you see tales and tales again of people being broken by it, bullied to the point of suicide, um, people getting off it because they, they're scared to say anything on this or other media mediums because they know they're just going to get piled on no matter what, no matter what they say on the left or the right, the other side just piles on someone tell me the benefit of it and tell me if you are if you are struggling with mental health how is sharing it on LinkedIn instead of to your loved ones or to a professional um, going to be more beneficial
0: yeah, I point. think
1: Joe, that there are plenty of success stories that have come through social media, a lot of small businesses that have started on social media and you know people that probably wouldn't have had that reach or that audience or uh, you know the market yeah. for it if they didn't have the social media platform so just, there are some success stories and just finally it's the news fathers everywhere have been waiting for according to science scientists dad jokes could actually be beneficial in preparing Mm. children for their future. (laughs) A study has found those bad (laughs) puns may give kids the tools to cope with embarrassing and Mm. awkward situations in later life. Joe, are you an expert on dad jokes?
2: Oh, at my age they're just called jokes. Yeah. That's just, that's just all, all I've got. Yeah, no, it's, it's, um, I, I think they're fantastic. It's great with my kids. My, my six-year-old daughter actually made me scrambled eggs uh, for breakfast and delivered them to me in bed. Or well, at least that's what she said she was going to do. It turns out she was just yoking.
0: Mm. Oh, my
1: God. So it does do, it, it does, Sammy, as you can just see through that, it does help you deal with cringe. <laughs> does. Look, I I love that this study is saying that dad jokes can help to prepare kids to better deal with embarrassment later in life. So clearly this study was done by a bunch of dads. But I think there are way more embarrassing things dads can do than tell dad jokes. Like my dad, 81, and he refuses to leave the house without his bum bag. At the age of 81, he still wears a fanny pack everywhere he goes. And for me, that is the most mortifying thing to be seen in public. He's living his best life. I love it. I know, but I kind of feel like a fraud even entering into this conversation because you've got like the world Leading expert in the field of dad jokes sitting there on the couch, so yeah. no, I can't say anything.
2: A, not, like... not at all, Sammy. Frankly, anyone who can introduce the term fanny pack into a discussion <laughs> on national television is, is is clearly punching above their weight. You
0: know what, Sammy? Your 81-year-old dad with Namaste. his bum bag, and every 19-year-old going to a music festival. I've ever seen him. <laughs> so he's, he's so young. Thank you, Joe. Thank you, Thank Sammy. You go